everybody and welcome back to the Girlfriend Hour podcast with me, your host, Emily Todd. I hope everybody is doing really, really well today. And just before we get into this episode, we also have some very, very exciting news, which I am so, honestly, I'm so excited to be able to finally share um, what has been going on. So basically, I have officially launched the Female Professionals Isle of Man group. It is a community group which I am building for ladies who want to make like-minded other ladies and make new friends on the rock and just building an empowered group of women who share knowledge and network and grow together and yet basically you're going to want to follow the Instagram, you're going to want to get on it, you're not going to want to miss what is coming up, you're not going to want to miss the excitement. So if you're on the Isle of Man and you're listening to this and especially if you're a female on the rock, you're definitely want to gonna go over to the Instagram and get on it and um, get excited for what is coming up. But yeah, I've officially done that. So I'm super proud of myself because I've been working on it for a while and I haven't done it and I've been procrastinating honestly for a little bit of time. So yes, if you are listening right now, even if you're not on the rock, I mean, get over there because it's gonna be full of sass. It's gonna be full of vibes. It's gonna be just a bundle of Emily vibes so you're gonna really want to get on that um the Instagram is female professionals underscore IOM and I will link it below so you can check out too so also in today's episode I am so 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 excited again always always excited on this podcast um to be speaking to the fabulous Hannah who is um the founder of mind map mentality you might have seen her on Insta and um TikTok. She is a mindset coach um, and she's a holistic coach and she does Reiki and she does coaching and basically I've seen her for I've followed her journey for a while and I've been meaning to have her on the podcast and we've been so busy but finally I've managed to get her on. She's gonna talk about her fabulous journey in her in, in the industry. She's gonna talk about her business, growing her business if you're interested in mindset coaching if you're interested in all things holistic you're going to want to listen to this and also she is going to be delving into a little bit about her journey with endometriosis which um for some of you out there you'll probably know a lot about endometriosis I feel like it's been spoken about a lot um and she really speaks about female health and she's done so much like fundraising she's really been an advocate for um, her female health and her journey and her um, story behind discovering her when she was diagnosed with endometriosis and all of the journey that she's had and she's really open and honest and yeah so it's it's really fabulous but I'm gonna let her explain in the podcast I'm not gonna go on too much um, but I'm really excited to have her on today so I hope everybody enjoys and yeah to it so um, do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit for everyone listening who might not know who you are? Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I'm Hannah. I'm also, I feel like a lot of people know me as my Instagram handle, which is my map. Yes, 100%. Everyone always says, oh yeah, Hannah from like, my map, yeah. what's your real name? <laughs> um, so I'm a mindset coach and I also help people with manifestation and I do Reiki healing and I offer retreats and do like spiritual readings as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a bit about me. Love that. So just to start, what made you like originally want to get into 
sort of the mindset world like overall so I studied psychology at uni oh, um, I went and did a degree in psychology because I had really bad anxiety when I was a teenager and depression like probably from about age 14 so that kind of spurred me on to do my a-level in psychology and when everybody else was like hating it and being like oh I can't stand the revision and like it's such a hard topic I just loved it and I'd never really been academic I didn't really like school but I just loved psychology so I went on to do my degree and then I went on to do a master's and then I kind of moved more into the holistic space and like from personal experience I didn't find going down like the NHS route was great because they just kind of given me medication quite easily and Mm. it just hadn't really worked for me um and I got to the point where I'd finished my degree and I thought do I want to go on and study another four years for something that like I didn't really agree with I wanted to work with children as well and I just didn't think that just offering medication should always like should ever be a thing Mm. so I started exploring like the more holistic well-being route and then kind of came across all the spiritual stuff as well so that kind of mixed in and I saw really good results within myself. So then I wanted to help other people with it. I love that. I love that journey because I feel like so many people, I guess, because I was going to ask you, like, how you got, did you go to university? So, and you got your master's as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm so interested in psychology. But now it's like I've come out of it. And now I'm like, oh, I'm so interested. But as I got older, I got more interested in it. So you were just, mm-hmm. like, interested from the get-go. Um, but you took, like, a different route. I find that a lot with working in like the NHS and going down that route so you sort of just thought I'm just going to do do it for myself and go down my own route and take a little little detour um but like where did you initially get your confidence from obviously starting out and not going down that route and like sticking to what other people do and just deciding I'm just going to do it for myself and trust my like instinct and what's right so I wasn't confident at all I still wouldn't even say that I'm a confident person now I think I'm weirdly confident in like front of a camera. I did yeah. drama growing up. I did, and, yeah, drama. I feel like that helps. Level and stuff. I feel, feel like that's a way to kind of get comfortable in front of a camera. But going, I did recently my um, first ever like public speaking thing. Mm. That was a whole different level. Oh, I know. It's so hard. I was so nervous. But um, yeah, I think I've never been a confident person at all. I think in school, I was always like the quiet one. And then when I went to uni, I completely changed my friendship group and met like lifelong friends at uni, which I'm so grateful for. Um, And then when I finished uni, we went into lockdown. So I graduated in lockdown and um, I started Mind About Mentality as like a mental health blog. So I didn't really care if people found it because I was like, it's helpful. It's like awareness. And then we went into like another mini lockdown and I started doing the card readings like the more spiritual stuff so I made a TikTok and started doing them on there and I blocked everyone I know and to this day so many people are still blocked on that really just so you could get into it I could be myself and I feel like if if somebody says to me now like somebody one of my old friends said to me the other day like oh what are you doing now and I was Mm. like oh like mindset stuff and he was like oh do you have like a business page and I said you'll never find it like you will never find it but I'm so confident in what I do with like the community I've created on Instagram and TikTok I love it but I just feel like I don't want that to be kind of ruined by like high school bitterness and that kind of thing so I've it's probably not the best advice but I've kind of separated myself built my confidence and if anybody asks me now I'm not that bothered if people like I see people viewing my TikToks I don't mind now but 
I think for me, I had to have that separation to grow that confidence. Yeah, I think that's actually quite a good, I mean, I think where I'm from as well, like I'm from like a small community group and like everyone sort of like knows each other and are like it's a really small island and everyone likes, you know, it's quite can be quite bitter when someone does something different. Um, so I would find that like quite like good advice, like even for myself, because it's almost like once you've sort of got rid of that, you can just be yourself and like you don't care because like no one's, you know that no one's looking because you've, you've initially gone through and blood started blocking them but then as you grow then you've sort of like built it and look how like amazingly well you've done so it's obviously worked yeah like I think if I could go back and say like to myself at the start like there's going to be a point where you actually don't care what people think like I don't care now yeah but I feel for me my ego had to be like you've got to do well before people find out yeah so now if people find my page I don't care but it's before it was a bit like oh Mm -hmm. I knew people would talk everybody's going to talk and you kind of have to just have that attitude of you can't stop them so you may as well do your own thing but when I was like in school I always wanted to do YouTube and I thought I can never do that because the thought of it being sent into group chats and stuff yeah just made me feel sick but I know that my stuff gets sent into group chats now I actually just don't care yeah I feel like as you get older as well like I I did like a bit of YouTube and like obviously I did the podcast but I sort of after I'd done the YouTube and because I'd done that at the start and people had seen it and there was all sorts of like like talk that went on but then when I started doing the podcast I just didn't care because it's like I'd got over it and I'd done it but I do think that's actually a really good way and it's weird that you say because I feel like I'm I'm always in the same boat when you feel like you need something to do like really really well before people like catch on and see like you can't let them see when it's growing yeah exactly like it's it's so stupid because it doesn't make a difference but I remember when like I did a before I started my mock I did like a personal few YouTube videos in lockdown I was having a bit of a crisis I dyed my hair pink oh I've done Um, it before (laughs) everyone did it didn't they yeah um and I remember my YouTube video got sent into my boyfriend's like work group chat oh god our age and someone like sent in was like oh like what's your missus doing I was like oh my god this is the worst thing ever oh, but god. now I see them I'm like I don't care yeah I think it's quite funny 100% I think I think actually it's getting a lot more like it's getting a lot easier and more accepted actually I think with TikTok and stuff I think nowadays because I look at like my little brother and stuff he's only 12 but like they're all on TikTok they're all like wanting to do YouTube they're all they all want to do it but I guess when we were a bit younger, it was sort of like like fresh and new and not everyone wanted to do it. So it's like, it's completely like shifted. So I feel like people growing up, it will be a lot different. But we were in the age where it was probably like, YouTube was just like, everyone's like, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something to talk about. Um, but what are some of the most difficult like challenges you have faced, whether it's pursuing in like your career or like anything to do with growing? like mind map really um I think in terms of like career and coaching it's been I know you asked about like how I had the confidence to kind of move away from the natural path I didn't really answer that bit but I feel like I kind of did it accidentally but Mm. I think the hardest thing has been not really having like a set career path to follow so before when I wanted to go into psychology it was like you go to uni you do a master's you do a doctorate you get a job and you work that until you retire so yeah. not having that kind of gave me a lot of anxiety. And 
not having like a stable income of this is how much you're going to make every month this is you know your employment and these are your hours I think trying to navigate that and like motivate yourself because you like mm. doing it but also not working 24 7 yeah and even when like I was working all the time there'd been months like December was a really bad month for coaching because no one wants a coach in December yeah um when everyone's got Christmas and things and I remember thinking like if I had a normal career I wouldn't be struggling like financially I wouldn't be struggling with signing clients or like doing anything because there would be a clear next step yeah but I think it's like in those times when you're struggling kind of having to take that struggle and make it internal motivation and inspiration to be like right okay what do I do next because there's nobody to pick you up and help you with that yeah absolutely no I think that's the hardest part because I'm at sort of like finishing my uni off now and like I've always wanted to go down the self-employed route that's something that I've just always wanted to do and like have done and took like little baby steps but I think that's the hardest thing like I'm I love working in teams and I love being sociable so when you're like on your own and you're trying to build something finding that motivation and not being with a team and not having bounce people to bounce ideas off is like a hundred percent something that I just that will definitely find the hardest and stuff that might like deter you from not wanting to do self-employment because it's like going down that route yeah you're kind of you are like alone you are on your own yeah I think it's like it is possible to still have those relationships but it's harder to find them so I know that there's like co-working groups like I'm near Manchester and there's so many Facebook groups and like co-working spaces and things but it takes motivation to then go on and make a post and like find a group chat and go and meet people and I think it's one of those things you kind of have to push yourself to do otherwise I would just sit in this office all day every day and not speak to anybody unless it was through a screen so I think it is important to still get out and about even if it's like going to a networking event or just sitting in a coffee shop and working just to have that human connection 100% I find definitely those two things like just going to um, any events like a little networking event, like push it that you've got to push yourself outside of your comfort zone because they can be so scary but still it's just that little bit of interaction even going into a coffee shop I find just like changing your environment a bit it's just it's just really helpful too because you get so stuck don't you in like one place and you just like your creativity it needs to like find a different place just to flow a bit better um but obviously you must like you get to work with so many clients and you get to work with amazing people so like what are some of like your highlights and positives like throughout starting your journey as well I think I will always have like such a passion for working with children and I've just today started back with a client that I've had like a few month break from um he finished a program and then has started another one and like going back and seeing the difference in how I left at the end of that program with all the tools and I was like please use them and then being able to go back Aww. and actually see especially with young people because you can't keep up with them on social media yeah go and see like what's happened in the past few months that's so rewarding and I think with any clients knowing that they're actually using the things that you have suggested and seeing them have those light bulb moments in sessions it's so rewarding to be like mm. I'll tell you something that they've thought their whole life and then you unpick it and they sit there and they're like wow that's actually not the way that things actually are I've just created this in my head because of x y and z so then the relief that they see when like the relief I can see in their face when we leave the session 
it's just amazing and I think working with clients long term as well is just so nice because you can see the changes it's making that must be so rewarding like I always like my goals is to go down like sort of an educational route as well and I think especially when it's younger people like you do get to see those like amazing goals that they hit and it must yeah it's such that's such a rewarding feeling um I can imagine that being a massive positive um but yeah I also you spoke a little bit about um your retreats at the start and I've done like a couple of retreats I'm literally obsessed but that's obviously I mean to put on a retreat to like hold it to do an event you've obviously built up your clientele and stuff but that's like a completely different ball game but I just wanted to talk about that a little bit with you yeah of course so I I had had this like belief about retreats that like that's something that I'll do when I'm really far along in my career Mm. and I remember thinking probably in like February oh like one day in my career I'll do a retreat and I sat there and I thought to myself like why can't I do like why what am I stopping myself from doing like why can't I do this now and I was like I can do it now and I literally just thought right okay find a venue think about what you want to put on and just do it and it was as easy as that like to just think I was putting so much pressure on myself that it had to be when I felt ready or when I hit xyz in my career and actually I didn't have to I found an amazing venue um through where I'd been doing cold water therapy Mm. so I ended up hiring their space and on the day when I got that I felt like such an imposter I was like I'm holding this retreat for people that are around my age some of them are older than me and I was like, I'm not qualified for this. And then as soon as I got started, I just love like what I do. And it just flows so easily. And I remember what, one of my friends came to the event and I remember walking to like the bit where we had food at lunchtime. And I was like, this is my job. And we were both like, this is crazy. And mm-hmm. it just, it was just such a nice day because it was one of those things I put so far in the distance and I was like, I've actually done it. Yeah. So it was really nice. I really, really enjoyed it. I need to get planning the next one. Hundred percent. That sounds like so amazing. Like just having that feeling of being like, this is what I'm doing. Like this is my job. Like I love it. And you're getting to like help all. The- and was did you did you enjoy like holding it? Was was it quite a challenge to like sort it all out? Because I just think like putting on an event sort of thing. Yeah, it was. I feel like because of the way that coaching works so I did like little workshops throughout the day and once I'd organized what order they were going in I did I did like a workbook and I didn't do myself any notes for anything because I find myself better in situations where I can just talk because I feel confident talking about whatever it is that the topic is um so once I'd done like the workbook side of it and like the design side everything else I feel like just fit into place but I did the food myself which I wasn't going to and then the night before, I was literally cooking until like half eleven. Oh my making god! All these different salads and like cakes and all sorts. And I'm so glad I did because it made everyone was like complimenting it, saying that it made it so personal. And I think that's what it's about. It's about yeah. doing things that you first didn't think that you could do, and then doing it anyway. And people saying that it was really good. Love that. Yeah, I have been to a retreat and she cooked like all the salads, all the food, and it was so delicious and it just felt like so homey and you just felt so connected and you're there for like I think I I was on the retreat for a couple of days but even a day like you managed to connect with people so well like 
when you're in that same environment and you're all like on the same page, it's crazy how quickly you just connect with people. Yeah, and it was so nice to see like everybody that came to the retreat, they were just all on the same wavelength. Like afterwards, they all made a group chat and I was just like, oh, I love that. It's so nice that they all felt so comfortable and like just being vulnerable, like and opening up. And it was a day that was filled with like so many people thinking that they couldn't come on their own and everybody came on their own and everybody left feeling so accomplished. It was just really nice to see. Oh, I love that. And like, it's so interesting when you said like, you feel like, why couldn't I put this on now? And I feel like a lot of people have that, especially, I don't know if it's like, oh, I should do that when I'm older. And you think like only people like when you've been in it for a while, like you do that when you're a bit older, but it's like, well, why couldn't you do it now? And I love that you did it. And you're gonna obviously continue to do them. And you said you did it at the, was it the cold water therapy place? I really want to talk to you about that because I've done a bit of cold water dipping. My mum's like a massive fan. And I li- have you watched the um, Wim Hof on BBC? I've not seen it yet, but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, you should definitely watch it. It was like, I literally like cried at the end because it was just so like, oh, I've just like felt for them all and they did so well. But t- talk to me a little bit about that because did you do that on the retreat? Yeah, so we... We did it on the retreat, but I didn't facilitate the session. I got the the, um, the guy, David, from Influx. So he has like a cold water coat brand thing. So he facilitates all the sessions at the farm club, um, which is where I've been going. So I witnessed it. So he did our breathwork session. And then we went down and he's just the most like calming person. And I have a lot of like, I'm quite open about this. I have a lot of trauma about like men and like, horrible beliefs about men yeah and he's just one of those people that you just always feel safe around and you would never have to worry that anybody would ever feel unsafe around him so it was really nice to have him there so he did the breath work and then we went and got in the water and there was like one girl that hadn't got into a body of water since she was in primary school and she's now like probably around our age and she got into the middle of the lake and she turned around and she was like I've just realized I've not swam since year six <laughs> and she'd not even thought about it. And she yeah. just got in. There was another um, lady who had a fear of open water and she got in. Wow. It was just amazing. But um, amazing. I started that in February or the end of January. And I kind of just agreed to it on a whim to go with my friend because she'd done it before. And I remember getting there and thinking like, what am I doing? My car had frozen over. That's how cold it was. Oh my gosh. And I thought like, what what am I actually doing and I put my foot in and I remember thinking like I I can't like my body can't handle this anyway I got in and I remember thinking like my friend was just going mind over matter mind over matter and I just heard I can still hear her in my head now and then I got out and I was like I've done it yeah and I was so happy and you like not only for the mindset side of it where you think you're gonna die and your brain's telling you you have to get out and you ignore it but also the physical thing. I don't know if, like, when you've done it, you feel like the tingles after. Yeah. And you come out with, like, a tan because you've blood circulating so much, don't you? It's yeah. Really nice. It's crazy. You're, like, I've been in, oh, it was, like, it was sort of, like, it was off the, like, like, because I've been in the beach and, like, on the sea, but then it was in more of a lake, so it was a lot colder. And I just remember being, like, my body, I was just, like, but I was with a group of, like, females and we were all just, like, together, like, hugging. And I was so happy when I did it the first time and I got out and my body was just numb and I was tingling. But I was like, I could just stay out and I was like jumping all around. I had, I was just full of energy. 
it's so nice isn't it and I think so when people like say to you why would you do that <laughs> there's no other way to explain it other than being like just try it yeah and see how you feel after because I did it and then I think I went every single week after that at least once a week and like now it's what nearly the end of May and I can just feel like the water's so warm now like yeah. it feels so different like you're just so used to it and you just yeah. build up this thing but even I guess if you don't want to start like I started doing like cold water showers and just doing that after because that is kind of just as good but it's better in the like open air and you're sort of just like I swear I've gone before and it's been like pissing down with rain <laughs> and I'm like what am yeah. I doing <laughs> and just they're I like, feel like it's hard as well it's really I think it's harder to get in a cold shower because yeah you have to have like it's so easy to stay warm whereas when you're out and and it's raining and it's windy you're already cold so it's not that different but I yeah I applaud you because I can't turn my shower cold Mm. it is one of those things that I just avoid yeah I actually do agree I do think think that the shower is harder because like if you're just running into the sea or you're just like dunk yourself in it's like and you're with other people whereas in the shower you're on your own and you're like don't want to turn it <laughs> yeah exactly no but I love that um so moving on from sort of like your career side of things I really want to talk about um like female health so you were diagnosed with endometriitis and maybe if you just want to give a little background about that you're obviously a big ambassador for it and um everything so we can talk about this that yeah of course so I got diagnosed with endometriosis and adenomyosis in I think it was September 2020 and that was my second surgery um so I'd had a surgery previous to that I'd had painful periods like ridiculously painful my whole teenage years to the point where I'd pass out I'd be sick I'd go lightheaded um and everybody just told me it was period pain so I Mm. never thought that it was period pain and I just thought everyone goes through this I'm just being dramatic so I wouldn't take painkillers because I'd think like none of my friends have to take painkillers. I can't understand it. So I went to the doctors a few times and said like, I've get, I'm passing out and being sick. Um, and nothing was really done. They gave me, they put me on the pill, mm. um, which I stayed on for quite a while when I was younger. Mm. I didn't have any horrendous side effects, but it got to the point where I just thought my mental health wasn't great. And I didn't really like the thought of putting something in my body that I didn't need to because like, I didn't need protection and I wasn't at the point where I was in a relationship or anything so I came off the pill and my periods have always been really regular so I knew I didn't have like polycystic ovaries or anything like that um and I kept going back to the doctors and they just keep saying you know paracetamol hot bath um hot water bottle and then eventually I found endometriosis UK which is a charity and I went on their website and I looked at the symptoms and I had every single symptom except like infertility which I didn't know because I was like 16 um so I went to the doctors with the printed out web page and I said I have every single symptom Uh, of this the fact that you had you went found like I've done I've literally done this before and I've got it and I've been like this is this is what I have and they're like I'm like why aren't you picking up like why didn't they pick up it's wild and I think it's I think part of it is like that if it was happening to men, I completely believe it would be a different story because yeah. when I've tried to describe, and this is nothing against my boyfriend, but like mm. when I've tried to describe period <laughs> pain, he goes, he goes, oh, I, I know what you mean because I get cramps when I'm hungry and I'm like, I pass out. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Like 
a rumbling tummy. Oh my um, god, that's so funny. Um, they, they just are, have no idea, but um, they don't. I went to see a surgeon eventually. I pushed for um, a referral to gynecology, and I went. And luckily, I went with my mom, which I shouldn't have had to do. But she works for the NHS, so she went with her badge on. She went dressed up again. We shouldn't have to do any of this. Yeah. And um, the doctor was like, "Oh well, um, you know, you've got, you've probably got endometriosis, but we're not going to do a surgery because you've probably got it anyway." And my mom had it when she was like 18 but she had me at 20 and it went away which some for some people it does oh, I, I didn't realize it could, it could go away okay That's so for some people it can start but there's yeah. like no research into like why that happens it's or just... if it happens to but for my mum that's what happened and I was 18 or 19 sat in this consulting room and the surgeon said well well why don't you just have a baby then it worked for your mum and my mum oh said, my god yeah. I can't and my mum said have you just told my daughter at 18 that she should have a baby because you don't want to do a laparoscopy oh my goodness and he said well it worked for you that is that is horrendous um it's like when they put you on the pill like because i've had so many times whether it was i think it's for like weight gain or something like that and they're like just just go on the pill that's what worked for you before and i'm like no like you should be investigating doing something it's crazy what they do oh. yeah and i think the pill is is great for protection it's great for like some people and but for a lot of people with female health concerns as soon as you say something's not right they say oh let's just stop your periods then so that you don't have the symptoms but yeah. the cause is still there mm-hmm. so and they just never my mom flipped at this point which yeah. is so <laughs> because i would never have said anything um he was a male doctor yeah very patronizing um and eventually he agreed to do the surgery and he said well we'll do the surgery but we won't find anything because he didn't want to find anything he kept saying there's no point us doing the surgery because we don't always see it so anyway the surgery date came around and I had the surgery and I came out of the operating theater and I woke up and I said have they found it and they were like no and I just remember crying my eyes out and he came around to the the little recovery room after and he went just like I said we didn't find it. So he was a general gynecologist. And this is since the exact same thing with him has happened to one of my friends. Like I've put complaints in and everything. But oh the my exact God, same. that's dreadful. So I got discharged. I had never had another appointment. And I thought like I'm back at square one. And at this point, it affected my mental health so badly because I genuinely thought that I had some sort of mental health condition yeah. where I was creating pain that wasn't there. So I stopped taking all my medication, stopped taking any pain relief. And I was like, sat there in agony thinking like, I'm making this up, like there's nothing there. So eventually I went back to the GP and I had a horrendous appointment with a male doctor who just said period pain's normal. So I just left. Oh God, I can't. <laughs> and I got a female doctor who luckily she was so nice. And she said, I'm going to be honest with you. She said, we don't know enough about endometriosis. Give me three weeks, I'll read up and I'll find you a specialist. So I was so lucky with her. So she referred me to a specialist in Manchester, which was about an hour and a half away from where I lived. Um, and I went to the specialist and they said, we'll do an MRI, but they it'll probably come back um, clear because they all had before. And then after the MRI, the surgeon was like, I just still feel like we should just do another laparoscopy. And he was like, but it is another surgery. So I said, no, like I need, I need to know def- like mm-hmm. definitively if it's better or not. So I had the surgery, it was during COVID, so I went in on my own and he said, he came in before 
the operation. They were going to look at my bladder as well, but they didn't end up going in my bladder. He said before the surgery, like, we've got a lot of patients on today. I'm not going to look in your bladder. I said, that's fine. Um, so I went into the surgery, just hoping and praying that either way I'd have an answer. And again, I woke up in the recovery room from the mm-hmm. anesthetic straight away. I said, have they found it? And the nurse next to me, she just looked at me and she went, yeah, it's all over. Oh. Um, like it was everywhere. She said, they've got, they've got rid of it all. And I just, I was so relieved. Like I, I thought I was mental. I thought I was like, there was something wrong with me. And that relief was so huge. Mm-hmm. So I went back to my room and they were like, we're going to have to keep you overnight because there was so much endometriosis there that we had to get two surgeons in for your surgery. Oh my God. Um, and it's been obviously growing for such a long time. And did they not find it the time before? No, because that horrible gynecologist had said we won't find anything. And I don't know whether I could have put in like a medical negligence claim and like gone through all that. But yeah, I like. Just, because that's like a whole like the fact that he probably deliberately didn't find anything do you know what I mean that's dreadful I'm so glad you got the late like that lovely lady there yeah and that's like that GP made such a difference so then they said we had to get two surgeons in and because you've been under anesthetic for so long while we removed it all we need to keep you in overnight um so I stayed in overnight and then they diagnosed me with stage four endometriosis there's four stages one's like there's not that many incisions it's not it doesn't like match up the amount of pain but I've got stage four so there's one to four and then after stage four you can also get adenomyosis which is where the cells don't just sit on top of like your ovaries and your fallopian tubes and things it actually goes into the wall of your womb and like cervix yeah they can't remove that because it's like within within the muscle so they said the only way we can get rid of it is a hysterectomy which obviously I was only 21. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to distract me. So then after that, they just see me once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and every appointment they tell me, if you want children, you need to have them pretty soon because, you know, time's ticking and it's probably making you infertile. But they're so kind of dismissive about it because they tell people that every day. Yeah. I think they don't they think don't about how much of an impact it can have. On every single um, person that they're telling that to and, they've, and they're just not thinking because that is so like that would just be so impactful wouldn't it like I couldn't I couldn't imagine that I'd be it's just and it's so common I think this is why it shocks me so much that it's not known about and like it's not talked about I remember seeing Molly Mays got it and I remember watching her vlogs before she got diagnosed yeah thinking like you have got endometriosis and I'd, as if she'd yeah. ever seen yeah. and I was like you've got you've got endometriosis here's the surgeon that's in Manchester oh. like you need to get checked obviously she never opened it but, but I was watching the vlogs and I was thinking like this is exactly what yeah. I go through like you 100% have this but when she kept saying like oh it's so hard the doctors keep telling me there's nothing wrong I was thinking <sighs> like people go through this every single day around the world and it just breaks my heart that why does this still happen it's crazy because like I and it's so like that's so sweet you're like I know and it's so funny you're sat there like I know and you're getting told it's nothing by a doctor and every probably so many girls are probably sat there like this has happened to me I know what it is and it's just crazy that it's not like why is this still happening like because she's obviously just had it recently but why it's still happening like this way it just it makes no sense it's almost like when it comes to like the female reproductive or anything female health wise it's sort of like we'll just put that like over there and we'll deal with all the other problems and then even though like literally it's 
getting that back like obviously you become infertile and that's literally how the world is going to continue with like life and you're just letting this happen exactly and they don't they don't have enough they don't have any research to like say why or when you're going to be infertile they just throw it out there like oh you probably could be so if you want a baby you need to try um (sighs) and tell that to people that might not be in a position to get pregnant or might not want to get pregnant I think it's a lot of pressure but I think with female health it's almost as if like your autonomy and like your decisions are taken away from you because when I've gone back since and said like how do I cope with this I know I've got it I know you can't remove it the only thing that I'm told is oh go on the coil go on like we'll put the coil and we'll give you the coil and I don't want it but when you say that to them they look at you as if well, you can't be in that much pain then. Yeah. And it's like, why is my decision not enough? Oh, that's true. Yeah, because they're just looking like, well, you don't want it that badly then. You're not, you're obviously not. But actually, no, your decision is you don't want anything going into your body, like unnatural. And that's just your put, like, yeah, they totally don't understand. Because I've, well, I have, because I know what you're talking about when it comes to being diagnosed and the fact that that horrible doctor and I can, I feel like every girl can relate because everyone's had like a horrible male GP who hasn't taken them seriously or whatever which is just dreadful and should never happen but I have like well really bad IBS and I have for about seven years and I've had like I call I've had like two colonoscopies and something else and I still like they still have just told me like it's IBS and I genuinely like me and my mum were just like so praying that we could get to the bottom of this so I'm so glad that they got to the bottom of it for you but for people like out there like who haven't it's it's so like it's so hard and difficult because you just think like right what am I am I making this off or you go through this journey don't you like what's wrong like what's going on with me and it's just that like status like of knowing and just I've basically come to the terms with now that like I'll never find out and I don't want I've cancelled all my doctor's appointments like I'm doing it all naturally now and I've just come to terms with that like I'll never know and I've just got to deal with it so it's so hard. And I think it's like we're all taught to rely on the medical system so much but the more I think the more I open my eyes to like even this not even spiritual things but yeah. like the medical system and like I remember being in uni and thinking I was doing my dissertation in my third year and I said to my dissertation supervisor i'm looking at all these studies on antidepressants and all the ones that say that they work are funded by the pharmaceutical companies that make them and he just went oh we don't talk about that and i thought the whole system is so mm. is so backwards that as sad as it is yeah they like make money from sick people mm-hmm. so you have to question like me being left for that long and probably causing more complications you being left not knowing yeah. like they told me that I had IBS before any of this it's, yeah. I think it's quite a common one to just be fobbed off with yeah and oh, and I, I my mum says that she's like you you just get fobbed off every time and like when they go and they don't find anything it's just like but also because I'm because they were looking for things like Crohn's and stuff like that but then they're like and then the doctor will always go you're very young to have these issues and I'm like so and it's almost like they say you're, t- you're so young and then they're like well, we can't find anything like you're so young anyway am I even looking and I'm like doesn't it does it does it matter it doesn't matter whether they're like you you shouldn't be having this so you don't I'm like but I do <laughs> I had a horrendous experience in A&E last year where 
I went and a doctor said to me, like, I, I had a false positive pregnancy test and it could have been an ectopic pregnancy because you're at increased risk with endometriosis. Yeah. And I went and I said, I need a blood test to tell me if I'm pregnant or not. And he was like, we're not going to do your blood. So he was like, I've just dipped your urine and it's negative. I said, no, but I've had three positives and three negatives. I need a blood test. And he wouldn't give it me. Anyway, it came back the blood test eventually after my specialist had wrong and made them give it me. Um, they were negative. But I came back into the room after and he said, um, <laughs> he was like, um, you've got, be- I had a mask on. He was like, you've got beautiful eyes. Um, you've got healthy brain. You've got healthy heart. You're really stressing too much about this little condition. And I looked at him in shock. My jaw was like on the floor. I was like, sorry, what? And he was like, yeah, you really are stressing too much. I see patients all day, every day. And, you know, you're quite healthy. And then he went, I was, I just was in disbelief, not speaking. And then he went, anyway, why do you have endometriosis? You're not fat. I was like, there's no correlation between endometriosis and weight. Oh my God. I I can't. I was furious. So I lost, I've never lost it with a medical professional. I I didn't tell anybody that (laughs) I went into A&E because I thought if I am pregnant, I'm not telling everybody like this. No. Um, So I went into A&E. I didn't have my mum there. I usually fight in my corner for me. Yeah. Um, And I said, this is why I've been in pain for the last nine years because of professionals like you that don't explore female health conditions. And I just stood up and walked out and made a complaint. I'm so glad you did that. Like there's so many times I've, I mean, to be fair, I'm quite good at like standing up. <laughs> my mum is too. My mum always battles like my corner as well, which is so good. But if you don't, if you're not that type of person and you, you will just get fobbed off forever and it's almost like, well, why do we have to be that type of person? I do, I don't want to go to the doctors and have to like fight my corner. Like every time I just want to go and be treated exactly how I should. And the whole stress thing, like I I get that all the time. Like maybe you should just try and not like stress that much. And I'm like, I just, I just want to like walk out and be like, what are you, like, how are you in this position? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then when they're in a position of power, you like, it's so much harder to fight back. I remember sitting there in the waiting room with my heart racing, my eyes tearing up. And I was thinking like, I shouldn't feel like this when I'm in a place that's meant to keep you safe. Yeah. Like it's just not right. A hundred percent. And I think I've totally gone down more of like a natural holistic route with my like sort of journey with like my IBS and like stuff like that and from just going to the I've just been so many doctor's appointments from when I was younger so many like things and I just got to a point where I was just like I'm just doing this on my own I'm gonna research it on my own I'm gonna do it and genuinely like I feel I've come gone down a complete natural route and tried so many different remedies and I feel like I've cured myself in sort of a way and I've cured myself way more than they ever have because they just give me like a new tablet that I don't even take at this point because I don't I just don't trust them anymore because I'm like you don't even know what's wrong with me so like or like what do you know what I mean so yeah I do I do think like sometimes we do trust the medical like world a lot but maybe we should just trust our own gut and our own instincts like a lot more as well yeah, I think we can like we can all heal ourselves, but if you don't believe it because you've always been told that you can't, you're never gonna try. Yeah. Like they told me that my that this is incurable, and I remember speaking to one of my friends, and she's got PCOS, and yeah. they told her hers was incurable, and she's completely healed herself and like ninety percent of her symptoms with diet and exercise and like 
all these different holistic methods that you don't get taught about it is definitely possible it's just like hearing people talk about it and like their own experiences to make you realize it's not all as it seems yeah absolutely no you can 100% you can 100% cure yourself I think as well the cold water therapy I know someone who cured their IBS through cold water therapy and um I genuinely think that 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 has helped but the doctors don't go oh if you just like do cold water therapy and if you do like even like meditation like even my yoga has helped and if you just like eat these nutritional foods but instead they're like here just have this tablet and we'll do it like another surgery and we'll find nothing it's crazy exactly and like if you it's it frustrates me so much because like I look into things like cold water therapy and you see the you see the results you feel the results like I always say I get out and I feel my circulation yeah and like you can feel your blood pumping but like why why do they not teach you this and why do they not show you Mm. this is how to do it reduce your stress and your inflammation will go down eat this eat that and it just makes me like it just makes me question like the whole medical system and it is it's all about like funding and I get that it's a massive massive thing and it's great for so many things but for female health and like things where they say that it's incurable I think that's kind of the end point for them it's like that's just something you've got to live with and nobody has to no absolutely and I think you know it's so good that we have like people like you and there's so many amazing people out there now that you know younger people growing up they're going to be able to get all this amazing advice and hear other people's stories because when I was younger like I just would go to the doctors I had no idea that like there was any other like roots so it's so amazing that like we have that now because it's so people are talking about it so much more which is amazing but any advice for any listeners out there that have maybe struggled with their journey I mean I've spoken about this before anyone who's gone through a journey you know in that in in like medical wise and they're struggling or even getting into mindfulness and stuff like that because that's helped me yeah I think just realize that there's never a straightforward route so the whole reason that like I'm called my mentality is because I think that like mental health is in the middle of the mind map and then there's so many things around the outside that contribute to it so like you said like meditation yoga exercise meaningful connections Mm. all of these things even like music and affirmations and all the things that you think are a bit wacky if you actually explore the reasons why they work that can work for like your physical health as well so when you feel like you're at a loss if it is mental or physical health I think explore every single thing in your life like write a list or draw a mind map of every single thing in your life and put like a happy face or a sad face next to it and the ones that are sad faces get rid of them change them and like create that balance holistically because there's no way that you can cure I I don't believe you can cure any illness with one medication like any mental illness and just give them a tablet and be like here you go you'll be better now because your environment has to change your lifestyle the people that you're around your belief systems there's so much that goes into it so I think just start exploring even if it's just like one more thing every week thinking like how can that impact me because I think it can be overwhelming to think I've always thought that mental health was just a chemical imbalance and that's the only way forward to then realize that there's all these things that impact it can be quite a lot of information but I think if you just start exploring 
okay, I feel good when I do this and I feel not so good when I do this and start adding more of the things that make you feel good into your routine. No, absolutely. That's fab advice. And this has been such a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it as well because I'm sure you're so super busy. Um, oh, no. Right, I love that. But no, I love talking about female health. I could talk talk to you about it all day, probably. <laughs> Just because I feel like all females as well have like a journey with it. So thank you so much, everybody. If you got to the end of this podcast, um, I absolutely loved talking to Hannah today. Um, I could honestly talk about these conversations for hours. I could talk about it all day. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed. She was so lovely. And I will put her Instagram below. Um, she's defo worth the follow um, for all your fabulous mindset needs and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, definitely give her a follow. So yeah, thank you again. And I will see you in next week's episode. 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 So